Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, we're not asking you to salute us. We're not asking you to uh, become a citizen, but we're asking you to join the nation. And that's what we want to spend uh, the, the rest of this first segment talking about. Why do we want you to join the I Work For Him nation? Well, I think that whenever somebody joins something, it's just their way of being in agreement. You know, you join a church because you agree with the um, theology of the church. You join a club in the business because you believe in what it's doing. And the reason you would join the I Work For Him Nation is that when you read the statements that we have out there, the things that you're willing to do, um, which we can talk through, but then you're just joining that nation so that together we can, in unity, be praying for our coworkers, our employees, our customers, and things like that. All right, so when we ask you to join the I Work For Him Nation, you go out to iworkforhim.com, and you click on the flag, and it, and it says these things. I'm looking for 1,000 people in Tampa Bay that are willing to make this commitment. And, and I'm looking just to start with 1,000 people. And no, I'm nowhere near 1,000 people yet. I haven't gotten 1,000 people willing to make this commitment because it's a big deal. Because the number one part of the commitment is I will start praying for my coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's so powerful to start praying for the people you work with. The Holy Spirit starts to shape your life so that you understand those people. You're more merciful and graceful to those people. 
and you start to really just minister to them differently because God starts to shape your heart because you're praying for them. So we want people to just start praying for their coworkers and employees by name. And then we ask people to, to look for ways to befriend their coworkers and employees outside of the workplace because workplace relationships are one thing, but you don't really get an opportunity to really share what Christ is doing in your life in the workplace, but you would after work in an activity or even just going out to have a Coke after work or a cup of coffee if you can do that that late in the day. (laughs) But you're also looking for a way to serve those people when you're in the workplace. But all along, we're looking for people that when the opportunity comes up, you say, hey, thanks for sharing that. I'll pray about that for you. But would you be willing to, can I pray for, with you right now about that. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for people being willing to be praying kind of people. Mm-hmm. But all along, being the best and brightest example of a worker in your workplace, whatever your position may be. We want you to be the best and brightest because every Christ follower in the workplace should be the best, best worker. So go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag and join it. Right? That's right. That's what we want. Hey, we've got a couple of callers like to talk to Lee in Largo. Lee, go ahead. What's your question for the day? I, I want to know the best way to handle um, witnessing at work without overstepping my employer's time boundary and using their time. Um, and I heard you say developing after work hours relationships was probably a, a better way to do it, but I don't really have, I guess that would take, be challenging because they're uh, foreign and then also um, finding that a common ground. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a great question to ask because that is a struggle for a lot of people. Number one, we don't have a lot of extra time, but finding the time to do it that's still honoring to your employer is a good um, approach to have. One thing that I think a lot of people don't take advantage of is lunch breaks. Um, So that might be a good first step anyway, to be building a better relationship with those co-workers during your lunch break, or um, maybe coming in a little bit early and getting that cup of coffee or getting started, you know, before the day. I don't know what the the environment is like where you're at, but um, just using those opportunities that are built into the day to, to really show interest in those other people and build the relationship so you can have the conversation. One of the things that I would also add, Lee, because this is a great question, and thank you so much for calling in, th- th- is to look for ways to just give God praise for the things he's doing in your life or to yeah. be able to talk about those things where, hey, this was going on, but I prayed about it. And this, I mean, use an opportunity just to live your faith by sharing your life as if you were at church, just share it there and, and, and don't. Just be real. The, the biggest power that we have in the workplace is transparency and vulnerability. Just being real to people, sharing our life, our struggles, and our, and our victories, and you will get an opportunity to share your faith. Look for those. And also, this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll let you go because we get a lot of the callers lining up. But here is yeah. just say this, Lee. Just say, Lord, it's the beginning of the day. Please put somebody in front of me today where I could share the hope that I have in Jesus. And and God will answer that and honor that every day. He'll give you that opportunity. But you'll see it even more if you take that I Work For Him Nation Challenge lead to say, I'm going to start praying for those people. Mm-hmm. Because when you start to pray for people, and here's the way I did it. And this is something that only nine years ago did I learn to start praying for my coworkers and employees. So it's still relatively new in my life. As I, as I found out about you know all the people that I had direct influence over that I was talking to directly, 
I found out the, their, if they were married, their spouse's name. If they had kids, their kid's name. And I just started praying for them as a group. And then I mm-hmm. then I dropped the hint, uh, the conversation. Hey, you know what? I was praying for you today, Bob. And uh, didn't know if there was something specific you'd like me to pray about. And if Bob says, well, there's this, great, then pray for that. If Bob says, I don't want you praying for you, I say, well, that's too bad, Bob. I'm going to pray, <laughs> right. but I just wanted to know if there's a way I could pray for you specifically. But most times when you tell people you're praying for them, they're very receptive. And a lot of times they're grateful. They're humbled by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, looking, like Jim said, for those opportunities. And, you know, another thing, too, to just think about is when you're thinking about things outside of your workplace that you are doing, if they can ever include your coworkers, whether it is, um, you know, a picnic or if the company's having a picnic or something like that, to just really make sure that you're in, trying to invest some of your time in them um, in those other situations. So great question. Thanks for calling in. Did that help at all? Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I think praying. I'm going to go online and look at the I Work For Him Nation and, and um, read what you have to say about that, because that would be a good starting place. Well, that would be great. And reach out to us. Contact us on there so we've got your information so we can reach out. If there's our email addresses are out there, just Jim at IWorkForHim.com or Martha at IWorkForHim.com. We'll do whatever we can. We'll pray alongside of you. Mm-hmm. In, okay. fact, in fact, we're going to pray for you right now because I think that'd be a great idea. Father, Father, I just pray that you give Lee an opportunity the next day she's in her workplace to just be a light, to be a little salt and light, but give her the boldness just to share what's going on in her life, not to not to pound people with Jesus, because I don't think that's what Lee's going to do, but to be transparent and vulnerable so that people will go, wow, there's just something about you, Lee. I want, I want what you have. Lord, give her that opportunity and just thank, her, thank you for having her call in today. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, Lee, thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right, Martha, I think what was powerful about Lee's question was just, you know, I want to do it, but I don't know how to get started. And I think really that's why the I Work For Him Nation Challenge is out there, just to pray for people. Yeah, I think it is the most important part to to start, you know, the place to start. A lot of people think, well, that's all I can do. It's the most important thing that we can do. And then the doors, God will open them. He'll make it clear to us. All right, we've got another caller, Ted, calling in from Cass Lake, Minnesota. Ted, Mm -hmm. welcome back to I Work For Him. Hi, Jim. Uh, you talk about uh, people in the workplace, and, and those of us that are no longer in the workplace, but we, uh, we're we retired and living the good life and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and and it's uh, our job isn't done. Um, I, I spend my uh, mornings uh, looking out at the lake and the beautiful sun of Minnesota sparkling off of it, and... Uh, I, I do my devotions and prayer time, and I listen to Howard Hendricks, who you, whose name you probably remember from Dallas Seminary, and he challenged people to, to write down the 10 most unlikely people they know and pray for them every day, twice a day, and do that at least for 90 days, and which will make it a strong habit. And it's amazing how, how from his viewpoint, how many of the people that have done that have come to know Christ just through the power of prayer. The the mm. other thing is that that uh, as you know, I I'm a woodworker and I have a, a, a garage in Minnesota that I open the garage and work on my lathe. And it's amazing how many people will stop by and see what projects I'm on and things like that. Uh, I also have a, a place in Fort Myers where I open the garage and and on my lathe there it says, "What is your purpose?" And it's amazing how many people 
doing their morning walks will come up and see what I'm working on and engage me in a conversation. And it's in the the thing that, that you also know is that I'm with the Pocket Testament League, and everybody gives a Pocket Testament just with, I, I'd like to give you the Gospel of John. And they'll look through it, and then we talk about it, and sometimes it goes beyond that. Even if it doesn't, they have a, 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 the Gospel of John, and uh, I try to get them to commit to reading it mm-hmm. and talking to me about it again later. Mm, that is so awesome. And I think, you know, you said a key thing right at the beginning there where you said your job isn't done just because you're retired. And I was thinking about that. You actually have like a bigger workforce that you work with because you work with all the other people that may be available during the day that aren't at jobs as well or that are walking by because they're on vacation or um, having some time off. And um, so you have a huge workforce around you in in that sense that you can minister to, and I think your intentionality can be a real encouragement to everybody else, that every day waking up with purpose to say, today I want to share Jesus with whoever I encounter, and uh, those are some great ways to do it. So in, in applying the um, what Howard Hendricks said to the workplace, um, depending on how big somebody's workplace is, to pick 10 most hard-to-reach or difficult-to-reach or most unlikely to um be receptive to the work of Jesus Christ and start praying for them, how powerful that would be in a, in a work environment. I got a chance yesterday to pray with a guy at a CBMC gathering here in Tampa Bay, Marketplace Ambassadors, which they're doing once every other month. And this guy brought, he, he just brought for prayer. He says, I've been given an opportunity to have influence over one of the, one of the most uh, sinful men I've ever met. Mm. Guy owns several uh, uh, institutions of less repute, uh, and and oh just li- li- been in jail a bunch of times, just on and on and on. This guy, he described this guy's life and he goes, but, but I've been given an opportunity to be a person of influence in his life. Mm. And, and I said, just think if you lead this, have an opportunity to lead this guy to Christ, the impact he will make because of the radical transformation in his life. So Ted, whether you're woodworking in your garage in Northern Minnesota or up in the tundra before the snow starts to fall or down here in Fort Myers, <laughs> having that opportunity to, to just touch your neighbors uh, is such a privilege because those are the people we spend, well, we don't spend enough time with our neighbors. A lot of times we spend more time with our people at work than we do our families or our neighbors. So it's, it's a great ministry. Thanks for being intentional. Next week on iWorker Radio Roundtable, I want to deal with your question on that you that you emailed us uh and so we'll, we'll talk about that this next week and i'll arrange for you to call in so we can talk about your email question okay okay Jim. all right all right take it easy Thanks. martha we'd start at the beginning of the show talking about the i work for him nation and why we want people to join the i work for him nation can you just yeah i think just going along with what we were encouraging lee with is to um start by praying for your coworkers and employees and i think a lot of people that's just a new concept we think we know and we that we should pray for our kids and our mom and dad and our siblings and um maybe the friend who's dealing with a diagnosis or something like that um but i think a lot of us just don't ever think about praying for those that we spend at least eight hours with every day. People may say, well, what do I pray about? Well, I think you start by just praying for them that, uh, and then pray that God will give you opportunity to serve them and that that should lead to a closer relationship where you can tell them more about who you are and why you are the way you are, and that is because of your life in Jesus Christ. I got to use my favorite two words with Lee, the, our caller today. 
The biggest impact you can make is by being transparent and vulnerable. <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> to my favorite, they're two of my, they're two of my um, core, core values, values. Mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus did. Jesus was bold. Well, I'm pretty bold, and, but he was transparent and he was vulnerable. He didn't put his guard up to anybody, and but he, but he was bold. All right, so we got a we got an email last week. Actually, it was a text message that I converted to an email from one of our listeners, Donna. And she asked this question. Uh, let me just set the stage because it's kind of a long question. I want to make sure they're on a big project. They're trying to cram to get this big project done. A lot of pressure to get the big project done, but they've got somebody that's inexperienced in doing the project and really needs to learn during this project. How do you balance the fact between the deadline of getting the project done and the learning that needs to be accomplished? Because you don't want to stifle the learning, but you also want to meet your deadline. How do you do that? How do you not rob a learning opportunity and jeopardize your standards? Mm, That's a good question. I think that um, the first thing I think about, of course, not knowing what all the you know details are and how long of a time frame you have to deal with, but if you know up front that there's going to be some learning that's going to need to be involved in a project in order to meet the deadline is setting some fair expectations up front and saying, you know what, this is going to take some extra time. We mm, have we have this much time to get it done, and I need to get you up to speed, and I really want you to learn how to do this well and to do it right. Um, so having those kind of conversations. So it may inquire, require some extra hours it before may. or after. It may. I, I think one of the biggest things, everybody struggles in training a new person. And, and just let's, let's all say this. Every one of us was new to something <laughs> at some time. We've all been a rookie at one point in time, and why is it we're so hard on rookies? We get a rookie waiter or waitress, and they're stumbling over themselves, or we get somebody that's brand new at a cash register at Walmart, and and we're critical of these people. We were all rookies at one point in time. Rookies at driving, rookies at reading, rookies at talking, rookies at walking. Why are we so critical of rookies? Just celebrate it and just recognize, hey, listen, I understand this is going to take extra time. It is always faster to do it yourself than to train somebody new to do it. But if you ever want to get anywhere in your job, you have to take time to train somebody. Right, because even though it may be faster to that one time to get it done, you can't add it to your workload if it's somebody else's responsibility. So, Why don't you give an example? Because you train new people all the time in your position. I do. So in the bookstore, you know, I think about, um, okay, we receive new books and new Bibles and things that need to be scanned in and received. They have to match their invoices. It all has to balance and everything has to be able to be rung up and sold to the customer. Um, That is quite a process. And if it's not done properly, your inventory can be a mess. Things could ring up at the wrong prices for a customer and all the, all of, you know, there's all kinds of uh, things that could happen as collateral damage for it not being done properly. But taking the time step by step to walk somebody through it until they are competent, then they can do it on their own and I can periodically check their work or check in with them and see how they're doing. But I can go on to my other responsibilities that I'm responsible for so that they can do that work. Well, and if you're going to take the time to train somebody to do something new to them, you have to just prepare your mindset as well. You have to prepare your mindset. Number one, it's going to take longer to do the project than it normally would, so you Mm -hmm. need to build in appropriate to your deadline. But you also need to adjust your own attitude to interruptions because if you want them to learn, they have to ask you questions. They've got to do, they've got to relive two all over again. They've got, why, what, 
why? Where'd that come from? How do you do that? What's this going? Where does this come from? I mean, they have to ask you all these questions so they can learn. That's how we learn. We ask questions. You know, it's funny because we also in our bookstore use a lot of volunteers and in short shifts that come in and just help us get things done. Not short volunteers. No, short shifts of them. Okay. But I had one say to me the other day, she said, you know, I really appreciate how much detail you tell me because, um, I will list it out the way it needs to be done. And maybe the T-shirts need to not just be folded and straightened, but they need to be smallest on top to biggest on the bottom so that a customer can find the shirt easily in the size they're looking for. Oh, that they would do that at TJ Maxx. Because <laughs> I so, can find stuff then. So it was just funny because we were having this conversation and she said, you know, I, at first I thought, wow, she's giving me a lot of detail. But she goes, I would have never thought to do it that way. So being consistent and and just saying it once and saying, this is how we do it. So it's consistent all the time. Then she was able to take it from there. So I like to take, to take the approach of when you are working with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, that you are in like a teaching hospital where, you know, they're doing the medical work, they're, they're helping patients, they're doing surgeries, but they're teaching while they're doing it to the next generation of doctors and nurses and that are coming through. And so always having that mentality, you're always rising people to where they're able to be. All right. It is the I Work Room Radio Roundtable where we open up our phone lines for you to call in and ask us questions about how to incorporate your faith in your workplace or maybe some a Christ-following perspective on a business matter. And, and you'll notice that I don't often use the word Christian. And it's not that I'm not a Christian, but I don't, I don't think that word means very much to people anymore. That's why you hear me say Christ follower, because there's a lot of people that might call themselves Christians that won't call themselves a Christ follower. And that's my challenge, because in our world today, our business world today, there's a lot of people that say, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, that's just a word to them. They don't really know what it means. It's like a a knowledge of who Jesus is instead of a heart, of their heart being transformed. Martha, you had a Facebook post from a listener today, Kirk. Yes. Um, our friend Kirk said, I would be interested. He's our friend? Yes, he is. Has he ever invited us out for dinner? I, oh, maybe he's listening and maybe he will now. You can. It'd be okay. It would be all right. <laughs> um, he's one, got a cool car. One thing before I read this is that, you know, we um, take great strides to not be political on this show, but to be looking at things from a business perspective. And that's because it's too dangerous for me. Well, and, and Bill Bunkley can handle that in the next couple of hours. That's after right. Way us. to go, Bill. And he's going to today. <laughs> there you go. But I just say that in light of this because it does touch a little bit on the um, debates from last night. I would be interested in light of the debates last night to hear some discussion on bankruptcy and the Christian businesses. I think Trump mentioned that he used the legal aspects of bankruptcy to grow his wealth. What is a good Christian perspective of bankruptcy? I think what, what would be, I, I got to hear that we, I didn't stay up late enough for the debate. I had an early morning meeting. But what I heard today is that Donald said, listen, I, I followed the letter of the law, took full advantage of the letter of the law to grow my businesses and, and make money. And, and, and so, and bankruptcy is a legal um, institution and it, a, a chapter of our government, uh, of the laws of our government, you know, chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 13. But it is, that's a worldly perspective. Uh, and, and we're not saying, here's the deal, we have to be so careful to not apply biblical standards to people who don't recognize the, the authority 
of the Bible or even recognize that there's a God. We can't hold ourselves, to, we, we can hold ourselves to a biblical standard and a Christ-following standard, but our, our, our non-Christ-following friends, please don't expect them to act like Christ-followers. They're going to do what they're going to do. And, and you got to, at least he said it honestly, he goes, I take full advantage of the law. And a lot of people have. But let's look at the biblical perspective on debt. Because really what bankruptcy does, whether it's a chapter 7, which is a complete obliteration of your debt, chapter 11, which is a reorganization of your debt corporately, or 13, reorganization of your debt, I believe personally, if I have those backwards, I'm not a tax person, contract, contact a local <laughs> This is where you do the disclaimer, right? <laughs> Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Um, the But the biblical perspective on debt is you're not supposed to have any. I mean, you know, when Moses was talking to the Israelites before he uh, died, he said, listen, let me just describe to you what it's going to look like. If you obey the Lord, let me just describe what it's going to look like. You're going to lend to many and borrow from none. You're going to be blessed here, blessed there, blessed here, blessed there. If you follow the Lord and are faithful in putting him at the forefront of your life, that's what it's going to be. But if you turn your backs on the Lord, you're going to borrow from many and lend to none. And the unfortunate part is our country... That's what we do. We have turned from putting the Lord at the center, and in the 50s, we turned our back on the Lord as a country, and now we borrow from many, and and we still lend to some, but we print fake money in order to lend. But let's bring it personal. Let's bring it to small businesses. Let's let's bring it to the, the people that are the, our listeners today. When we buy something, we're making a commitment to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And if you're buying things that you can't afford to pay for, then you're violating a biblical principle. We only buy things you can afford to pay for. God doesn't want us to go into debt for frivolous things. He doesn't really want us to go into debt. Now, there's arguments back and forth on both sides about debt having to do with a a home because a home is an appreciating asset. How many of you bought houses in 2007 (laughs) experienced that? You're still waiting for it to appreciate, if it ever will. So there's a danger in assuming and presuming upon tomorrow. Right. And that's a lot of times we borrow money today thinking, well, I'm going to make more money next year. I'll get a raise. And how many of you did that in 2007 and haven't seen a raise since? Mm-hmm. So bankruptcy is this bailout method that lets you kind of press the reset button. Right. All of, all the while affecting those that supplied you with whatever you purchased. Let, let's make it personal in your bookstore industry. Yeah, and that was the other part of uh, Kirk's comment was um, this is relevant in light of the family Christian store bankruptcy filing that's going on right now. And um, I think that this is a perfect example of what you were saying about not judging those that are not Christ followers to act like a Christ follower. Um, this It's a really tough situation to be in to be looking at a huge Christian organization who's filing bankruptcy. And, um, ha- and they are, and I'm not going to, you know, judge where they're at or anything, but they, no matter what their intentions are, they're still showing the world that this is okay. And I think it goes back to the individual of, of if you make a commitment to buy something, you should make, you're making the commitment to pay for it and to not hurt those people that trusted you with their product. So as a result of bankruptcy, and they're looking at now a complete obliteration of debt, a liquidation of assets, to, and the debtors will get pennies on the dollar. And a lot of distributors had distributed um, items to them, and they're not going to get their payment. 
And so, therefore, it's hurting distributors, and it's it's hurting you because, really, it's taking another Christian bookstore out of the realm. But we don't know whether they expanded too fast or whatever it was. Uh, they sold a lot of great discounted product. But the bottom line is when you go bankrupt, people get hurt. And it really, if you as a Christ follower, let's just say you borrow money from the bank and they know that you're a Christ follower and you don't pay your debt and you go bankrupt and say, sorry, here you go. I'm not paying my debt back. Well, it makes, makes God look bad. When we don't pay our debts, it makes God look bad. You said you were going to commit to pay. And, and by, but here's, that's all been negative. Martha, what do we learn in Crown Ministries? Well, one of the things that keeps playing over in my head is the fact that— Is it one that of those the, songs that you have to memorize? <laughs> so one of the songs that helps us with our verses. If you haven't taken Crown Financial Ministries, if you haven't gone through that biblically-based, mm. Bible-intensive uh, biblical principles of finance course, find a church nearby. Uh, talk to Bob Swatland. He's the local area coordinator. You need to get this. But what they used to do is give you songs to help you memorize the Bible verses that you had to memorize each week. Which is great for us. The older we get, the harder it is to memorize. So memorizing songs is a great way to do it. But they weren't the top 10 hits kind of music. <laughs> but one of the things that keeps resonating over in my head as we're talking about bankruptcy is that the borrower is slave to the lender. So if you don't want to be a slave to the bank or to whoever you own money to, then put yourself in a position where you don't have to borrow, that you are, you're saving up and making those purchases so that you don't have that situation of borrowing. And I know a lot of people say, well, in my business, I need to, be, I need to have, you know, everything needs to be, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Leverage. Leverage. That's the word I'm looking for. Everything needs to be leveraged and I need to have a credit score and I need to do this. And okay, listen to, you know, Chris Brown at two o'clock each day, right? Well, but I'll tell you, <laughs> we had, we had, uh, we've got upcoming on the 26th of August, we've got Buck Jacobs coming on the show and he mm-hmm. wrote a book called I Radical, which you can get a, a, a copy online on the C12 website, c12group.com. And he talks about the fact that he worked for a company right after he became a Christ follower, he worked for a company that was a kingdom minded company, so a Christ-centered company, and they refused to go into debt. Mm. And that extremely limited to them. But then God started providing miraculously for the company. And that's really the good news. Bankruptcy is the world's answer to mishandling of money. God is the answer to the mishandling of money. Your Heavenly Father, when you, and if you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey, if you've ever heard the stories, people that go and they go all in in the debt snowball with Dave Ramsey and say, no, we're just, we're going to do whatever we, we're going to live like nobody else so that in the end we can live like nobody else. And, and people start putting their nose to the grindstone, they commit themselves to the Lord, they commit themselves to being non, to not going into debt and to getting out of debt. And all of a sudden, they start seeing miraculous happenings and helping them pay down the debt. In our own lives, we had not been committed to being debt-free, and we were way over our heads in debt-free. And we went through Crown Financial Ministries, and in 1999, said we want to be out of debt. Mm -hmm. And we had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. We could have done the debt-free song in 2005, but we didn't call in. We didn't drive to Tennessee. No, we didn't want to do that. (laughs) But But the point to all of this is bankruptcy. Is it against... Biblical principles to go bankrupt? I believe, yes. Is it against the law to go bankrupt? No. Read the scriptures. What does it say? We're supposed to, we're supposed, if we shake a hand on a deal, we're supposed to do the deal. So don't get yourself in that trap. If you have a dollar, spend 90 cents because you're supposed to tithe 10% so that you don't get addicted to all your dollars. That's what the tithe is all about is so that we start to pee, being dependent on God. If you have, if you've got a mortgage payment and you get qualified, for $2,000 a month. 
buy a house for fifteen hundred. If you have a car and you want to buy a new car and it's forty thousand dollars, guess what? For twenty, you can buy a great car, two what? years old. Well, you know, there's when- all kinds of ways to avoid going into debt, and you can pay cash for a car. We've done it for fifteen years now. And in the business world, um, we still mm. have a fax okay, machine. Let's switch it back to business. <laughs> so, wanna, so I know people will laugh at this, but every week I get a fax over my fax machine that I've qualified for this incredibly insane amount of money as a loan from different organizations. And you know, the sad thing is, is that people can get sucked into that very easily. They didn't think they needed a loan or they didn't even think about needing a loan. And then all of a sudden they're thinking, well, what could I do if I could get a loan? How could I expand my business? So getting into that, that worldly trap of extended credit and, and what you could do with that. And just being really careful that you are praying about those decisions well, and, and the challenge just goes down to, and Martha saying it's true. I mean, I work for him. We get an email. We get a letter once a month saying, hey, you've qualified for a quarter million dollar loan. All I think of is, ah, I don't want a quarter million dollar loan. What, but here, here's the real point. If you're in debt trouble, seek the Lord. He's got an answer. There's all kinds of organizations that can help you understand the biblical principles of that. If you are considering going into debt to buy a car, to buy a home, Seek the Lord in this. Get some wise counsel. If you're in business and you're saying, boy, I've got to um, go into debt in order to grow my business. You know, again, I'm telling you, seek wise counsel because it's not necessary. Hey, I want to thank Kirk for sending in this question. It was a great question. We should probably do a whole we should probably do a whole show on bankruptcy. We could. On debt. Maybe that'd be a good thing. We should that write, write that I'll down. I'll write it so down. I, yeah, I write promise. It down so I don't forget. <laughs> Martha, let's recap it. Yeah, we're going to recap. Um, the first call we had in today was from Lee, and she was just asking about how we can share our faith with our coworkers without overstepping the boundaries of time at work and um, not necessarily being able to have the time to do stuff with them after work as well in their social time. But just encouraged her to start with praying for those employees and praying for an opportunity to actually get to know them better and be able to share Christ and see where he opens the doors. We talked about lunch and we talked about before uh, work as well. So those were just some things. And then she actually was excited to go join the I Work For Him Nation and read more about that. And then uh, Ted just called in and encouraged us with being retired doesn't mean that the job is done. And he prays for unlikely people around him that need to know the Lord and to do that for 90 days and create a great habit of that and see how God works in that. And really being intentional in his neighborhood by opening mm-hmm. his garage door and opening that up. Uh, and then we find, we ended with a conversation uh, from a, a um, Facebook message on bankruptcy in business. Is it biblical to go bankrupt in business if you're a Christ follower? And the answer is no. We learned today that we just need to start praying for our coworkers and employees. That's a great way to open it up. That really, when we're at home in our neighborhoods, try opening your garage door when you're outside and starting a conversation with the people. But also that God does care about how we do business. That bankruptcy as a Christ follower is really not a biblically-based thing. Yes, it's legal, but it's not a biblical solution. That God is bigger than your debt problems. And when you commit your life to Him, He will help you get through that. It might not be easy, 
but he can help you get through it. Consider going out tonight and joining the I Work For Him Nation. Just go to iWorkForHim.com and join the fight against the enemy in our workplace, fighting for the souls of our coworkers and employees. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him.